that, baby! But here, I've met a lot of people and I've played some too. And there's one thing I know, people like to talk. <laughs> it's the Spudcast. That's where you at. Hey, where you at, baby? How y'all making this evening? Thanks for joining me here on the Spudcast podcast while I'm talking out my ass with Rafael Goyeneche of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. And, uh, God, we talked about so many things. Shortness of comps, uh, the judges, uh, Irvin Mayfield. We're talking about merit judges. So a, 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 a whole boatload of stuff that you really should know more about. Okay, so Rafi on the uh, Spudcast coming up right after this. Getting older and feeling your age? Low energy, no motivation, putting on the pounds? Maybe age isn't the culprit. Maybe the sad truth is you have low testosterone. Well, don't sit around and mope. Go to the Mope Clinic at the Men's Optimal Performance Enhancement Clinic. Chris Rue will do more than just fling a blue pill at you. With proper testing, diagnosis, and testosterone replacement therapy, you'll be on your way to becoming your old self again. Or better yet, your new self again. Go to mopeclinic.com, M-O-P-E clinic.com, or call 504-322-3888 to start your journey to a better, stronger, healthier you. Bud here. Do your breakers keep breaking? Do you see a spark when you plug in your hairdryer? If you do, I want you to remember one thing. 947-3392. That's Eugene Lawrence's number at E1 Electric. Let's face it, you don't know nothing about electricity, but Eugene does. A licensed and insured electrical contractor, over 25 years experience, him and his crew can do anything for you, from hanging a ceiling fan to rewiring an apartment complex. So before you hear this, you better hear this. Thanks for calling E1 Electric. How can we help you? E1 Electric, 504-947-3392. Well, it finally looks like we're going to be spared the COVID lockdown this summer. Of course, there's other medical needs besides the big cootie sprains, breaks, stitches, pink eye, bug bites, sunburn. Some of these can be diagnosed and treated over the phone with telemed. But whatever your malady, Rapid Urgent Care is open 365, even on holidays, ready to treat you quickly and professionally. Whether you're on the North Shore or the South Shore, summertime bobos don't stand a chance at Rapid Urgent Care. Just go to rapidurgentcare.com for the address and number of the clinic nearest you. Okay, so we're talking to um, Rafael Goyaneci, Rafi Goyaneci, who is the the man who turned around the Metropolitan Crime Commission. Didn't invent it, but it kind of it kind of foundered for a while there until Rafi came back on board and just slapped everybody around and went, "Hey, get busy and solve some crime." Was that is that how the story goes, or is that just... no? It's not quite like that, but uh-huh. uh, you know, I mean, I've been here a while. So I, I think that, you know, the Crime Commission, as you pointed out, has been here since 1952. And uh, it was led by former FBI agents before I came on board uh, and took over in 1989. I was hired here by one of the FBI agents, Warren DeBruys, in 1986. I worked under him for a couple of years, and then uh, he retired, and they gave me a six-month uh, trial period. And that's since yeah. 1989. So I would venture to say yeah. you probably passed the test. So well, I guess so. I don't think anyone else, uh, you know, applied or whatever. But in well, any event, one of those things. well, but it's, you know, it's like yeah. it's like it's like people running for office. You know what? If somebody, there are people out there who are very good at what they do, and everybody has their respect, and so nobody runs against them because of that. And there's also people who are just so firmly entrenched and are able to raise so much money, good or bad, they're, they're firmly entrenched. I, I think you're the former there, Rafi, because well, everybody, well, I don't know you. anybody yeah. who has a harsh word to say about you that isn't in jail. So, 
you know. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's not a bad thing. That's I a guess. good way to look yeah. at it, you know. Yeah, and, and, right, and, right. Uh, the cool thing about and, and everybody out there listening, you know, I've, I've interviewed Rafi before. So have many other people. He's a regular guest on many media outlets, TV, radio, podcasts, the whole shebang. And it's because he knows what he's talking about. But also, it's because he gives everybody an opportunity to turn over information to a person who not only can investigate it, but then turns it over to the correct agency. Because not everybody always knows who to call if they see something going on. Do I do I call the FBI? Do I call the sheriff's office? Do I call the NOPD? You know, if you, if you see some kind of crime, especially white collar crime. And go to you guys at the Metropolitan Crime Commission. You can determine a if it's viable and b who should get it. Absolutely, and you know we've been doing that since the 1950s. So uh, you know, just since 2009, but there have been over 75 public corruption-related felony convictions that resulted uh, from MCC referrals to federal and state law enforcement. Now that's pretty spectacular yeah, yeah. and some of the the most high profile public corruption cases that we've seen in this in this region like ray nagan and uh aaron broussard and uh bill hubbard you know from saint john's parish and uh judge cressa from saint bernard parish and you know as recently as what we're seeing right now we're waiting for Irvin mayfield and ronald markham to be sentenced. That started with But, but they're ambassadors of the city. They're ambassadors of New Orleans, Rafi. I mean, come on. Well, well yeah. I mean, uh, some people consider them convicted felons, as, as I do, because they pled guilty to felonies and they're awaiting sentencing for, for looting $1.3 million for, that was donated to the Library Foundation for the New Orleans public library system that they redirected to the nonprofit that they paid them both six-figure salaries. So I don't agree with the mayor uh, in, in calling him son of the city. Um, you know, I think that he's a convicted felon, as is his his associate Ronald Markham, and we'll see how the criminal justice system treats him when they're when they're sentenced over the next couple of weeks. What did they plead weeks. guilty to? Because they were—I know there were several charges against him, but I think they kind of like negotiated down to like pleading guilty to one thing, and they got to pay some of the money back, or. I don't know. All right. So, I mean, so the New Orleans Jazz Orchestra agreed to repay the uh, uh, New Orleans Library Foundation, but the New Orleans Jazz Orchestra is having trouble raising money because their two executives, uh, Ronald Markham and, and Irvin Mayfield, pled guilty to federal crimes. So I don't know how they're ever going to make restitution to the New Orleans Public Library Foundation. And, uh, you know, essentially you have those two individuals that were responsible for crippling two important nonprofit organizations because of their own greed yeah. and misguided uh, sense of entitlement. So we'll see how all this plays out, but, um, you know, they, they may be facing jail time. Uh, I just don't know. We're going to have to wait and see what, what the uh, the sentencing judge decides is, is a uh, fair and just sentence. When does that come up? I think they're still waiting to set it. I would expect over the next uh, 
four to six weeks it should be scheduled for a sentencing, but I don't think there's a firm date as as we speak today. Last question on this particular thing, which I really wasn't planning to talk about, but it's fascinating. Um, I'm assuming now that they've had to, uh, since they played guilty, they've surrendered their passports there, so there's going to be no more. Uh, can, can we go to Africa and play a couple of jazz festivals over there? I mean, they're they're they are like confined home to, since they pled guilty. Are they confined to their homes? Uh, is there a bail system? Well, I don't think so because they were, you know, uh, Mayfield was performing at that uh, at that uh, hotel on Jackson and Britannia a few weeks ago. So hmm. he wasn't under house arrest, obviously. Yeah. So it remains to be seen, uh, you know, what's going to come of all of that. But what is the given is that. The New Orleans libraries are, are paying a price for uh, what he and, and Irvin Mayfield did to them because that's money that could be used uh, for uh, to expand library time uh, of openings and, and, and making their books and computers their, uh, and books yeah. available to to the public and and the city is is faced in a, with a financial crisis and you know the libraries are are paying the price for. Uh, placing their trust in Irvin Mayfield and Ronald Markham. Well, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, I'm interested, right. I'm interested right. in keeping up on that. The reason I call, I call for a couple of reasons, folks out there. I mean, I saw this, uh, it's, it's almost like pick and choose. Which violent uh, news story do you want to follow? One of the things uh, that I saw is this, and this happened in Old Metairie, too, where, where uh youths of various ages will go around and in old metairie what they would do is point a gun at the front door and go around and pull on door handles of cars and if an alarm went off and somebody came out front said you know take a shot at them somebody uh, on melody drive over here took one in the leg when they heard somebody rummaging around their truck it's been a couple of years since that happened but then a snooze story comes out and bef- and instead of just having uh, a pistol just having a pistol, having a pistol. Now we're looking at more, uh, more considerably more powerful firearms out in the street in the hands of youngsters. And uh, the people uptown are scared. Everybody around them are scared. I live in Old Metairie and I'm scared. And I live on the same two two block long street as the district attorney, and I'm scared. So uh, what's what's going to happen? I mean, what is what do the NOPD need? Do we need another thousand officers on the street for this to happen? Do we need people to pick up their telephones and start ratting out people to do this, or what? Well, I mean, so when you're talking about the NOPD, you're talking about them facing a manpower crisis that we haven't seen since 1978. The manpower uh, available to the police department are at an all-time, since 1978, this is the lowest staffing levels of the NOPD. And we're on pace to lose more officers than we we gained, uh, we will gain this year or higher this year. So... The numbers of officers are going down at a time when violent crime is escalating. So since 2019, uh, compared to 2021, shootings are up 115%. So over the last two years, shootings are up 115%. Homicides are up 83%. Carjackings are up 184%. And armed robberies are up 7%. Now, armed robberies are only up 7% because when you compare 19, which is pre-pandemic, to 20, which is in the pandemic, you know, since the pandemic, a lot of restaurants and bars in the French Quarter were closed, so people weren't on foot 
and those were the you know that those, those were the targets, targets of the armed robberies. But what we're seeing now, comparing twenty, uh, I'm sorry, twenty twenties uh, armed robberies to twenty twenty one armed robberies, they're up thirty eight percent. So people are returning to the streets and to their old practices, and armed robberies are escalating again. 20 to 21. So violent crime is surging at a time when we don't have enough police officers to respond to the calls for service. And there is no sense of urgency in reversing the uh, the manpower drain that we've been experiencing uh, for, for more than 10 years right now. So uh, unless we have more police officers, the people that dial 911 uh, and are paying their taxes for uh, police service uh, may unfortunately not have anyone respond in a timely manner, not because the police officers don't care, not because the police officers are sitting in donut shops, but because there's just not enough of them to respond for the 33,000 plus calls for service they receive per month yeah. in the city of New Orleans right now. Yeah. And is it because of, I mean, I'm sure the shortage of police are one thing, but is it also because you're not seeing the prosecution rate? You're also seeing people getting released from OPP, but OPP is like, it's the biggest mental health hospital in the whole region, which is not designed to be. And I mean, there's just X a number of beds in there, period. So. Well, we're right. So what's happening now, Spud, is that, you know, when the police do make an arrest, particularly for a violent felony crime, uh, you know, it used to be that bail was set in accordance with Louisiana law, not only taking into consideration the offender's right to bail and whether the offender would appear in court if released on pretrial uh, bail, but also taking into account, as the law required, the assessment of the risk and danger that the offender poses to the community the offender's criminal history. So what we're seeing now is violent felony offenders. They get arrested and their bail is set low and or uh, reduced and they get out on pretrial custody and they reoffend. So it puts additional pressure on the police to, and not only put places pressure on the police with their limited resources, but also demoralizes the police mm-hmm they have to go out and arrest the same people over and over and over again. And that problem is even more acute when you deal with juvenile offenders because the juvenile facility is at or near capacity on any given day, which means that, you know, for everybody that goes in, pretty much somebody has to go out to make room. Yeah. And, and like, yeah, people, like, they get... There's like a tier, like an ABC type of tier going in. Are you an A criminal, a B criminal, a C criminal? And there's only so many rooms in there, and they got to open the door. You know, we got to let out a. Uh, if a B comes in, then we got to let a C out to make room for the B. And uh, right. anyway, I'm okay. I'm up against the clock. Let me step for a second here. Uh, Rafael Gonanchi is my guest. When we come back, we're going to pick it up right here, and we're also going to talk about merit judges and the people who actually set these bonds. And, uh, and uh, I mean, they're they're part of the three-legged stool of uh, of law enforcement and, cr- and protecting the public. So, back with the Spudcast right after this. Do you know what it means to miss New Orleans? The next time you have to travel, take along a couple of pounds of Parish coffee, and you won't be missing New Orleans for long. 
Brewed right here in the land of coffee lovers, Parish Coffee has the taste you're looking for. From dark roast to coffee and chicory to flavored coffees like Bananas Foster or Bourbon Pecan, French Vanilla or King Cake or you name it, Parish Coffee has a flavor just right for you. Look for the bright purple bag in the coffee aisle of your favorite market. Or order it online, have it sent right to your door. What a perfect gift for any coffee aficionado. Sip the soul of New Orleans in every cup of Parish Coffee. Uh-oh, that doesn't sound too good. You better start filling sandbags. Oh, wait, you don't have to do that anymore because you have the home team advantage. You called home team elevation at 504-301-1222 and you got your home lifted above the flood. No more worries for you. What about your mama's house or your uncles or your brothers? Home team is ready to lift their spirits even higher than your home. Get the home team advantage by calling 504-301-1222 or go to hometeamelevation.com. Hey, guess what? The pandemic's finally winding down. Looks like you might get to go on a little vacay, but where are you going to go? I got an idea. Go fishing. Get yourself a licensed and insured fishing guide at lasaltwater.com. They got a guide for everything and every place. Inshore fishing, offshore fishing, fly fishing, kayak fishing, bow fishing, you name it fishing. At lasaltwater.com, there's pictures and videos of all the happy fishermen and women and kids. And don't be the one that got away. Go to lasaltwater.com and book your charter today. And we're back on the Spudcast, talking up my ask with Raphael going at you, the Metropolitan Crime Commission. When we left it off right there, we were talking about, uh, okay, we don't have enough cops. When we do, when someone does get arrested, it seems like they're not, they're bonding out too easily, getting a high bond, but getting it reduced. Uh, the new district attorney in town, uh, I don't know where he's coming from. I don't know. You know what, Raphael, I mean, I, I interviewed uh, Leon uh probably about the last year and a half uh, of his uh, of his term, and we were talking about those warrants that he came up with that weren't really warrants, you know, and his argument in favor of him was that i got to have people in here, but I'm going, dude, you're going to arrest my daughter. Let's say my daughter had been a victim of a sexual assault, and you're going to arrest her and put her in jail to make sure that she shows up for trial? I'm going, you and me going to have to go round and round. So, I mean, that that kind of stuff leads people to not trust this system to begin with, so they're already operating on a trust. Now the patent seems the pendulum swung way the other way, and the trust factor is falling like a stone. So, All right. So you, you, you want the pendulum to be in the middle. You don't want to force it to one extreme or the other. So what you're referring to was material uh, witness warrants. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I had a, an instance in which a guy called me up a couple of years ago saying, listen, I'm about to be arrested They've got a material witness warrant for me because I was a witness in a murder, and um, you know I'm I'm afraid now. And what do I do? I said, let me ask you a couple of questions. Did you see the murder? Yeah. Did you tell the police who committed the murder? Yes, it did. I said, did the district attorney's office call you after the police report was submitted to them? Yes, I did. Did you go to the grand jury and testify and tell the grand jury who did the murder? And what you saw? Yes, I did. I said, did you go to court after the case uh, was accepted and the indictment was issued and go to court and testify in pretrial hearings and identify the, uh, the suspect in court? Yes, I did. So now the case is set for trial and he's behind bars and you're telling me you're afraid of him. You realize that there's no statute of limitations on murder. So even if you don't show up for court, 
he could later be charged if you change your mind. Do you think he knows that? Maybe he does. I said, well, that's the reason why. You know, this isn't the DA's office being arbitrary. But the difference between that individual testifying and not testifying means a murderer goes free. And every unsolved murder uh, creates the, you know, undermines the public confidence in the system and can, can potentially result in retaliatory justice. So the guy ended up testifying. The guy was convicted. The offender was convicted. And he called me back and he said, I should have taken your advice. You know, you were right, and I'm glad I did the right thing. Yeah. So, you know, th those types of witnesses are uh, material witness warrants is a tool that has to be used judiciously and appropriately, and it wasn't abused to any great extent. And I think that it is unfair to say that the former DA always sought material witness warrants, and I think that, you know, because that's not true, but even if he had, I think it is equally uh, unacceptable for the current DA to say that he's never going to pursue a material witness. Well, warrant. a material witness because warrant. you don't deal in absolute. You don't deal in absolutes. You have to make decisions on a case by case basis based on the facts, the law, and the evidence. All right, but so your your guy that talked to you see because I was talking about people who have been sexually assaulted who are already traumatized. I mean, this guy witnessed a murder, and I'm sure that's traumatizing in itself, but. I mean, what happened with him? Did did the the DA say, okay, well, here's trial show up, and and he started getting cold feet, and that's when they decided to go with the thing, or is that an automatic uh -huh. material? So the witness? same thing applies to to you know a rape victim. So you know the people that commit rapes, uh, they are you know there's been studies shown that you know that rapists don't just stop at one victim. Oh no. So the same scenario with a rape case. You know, you've got DNA evidence, you've got eyewitness identification, and, you know, the same process occurs where the victim tells the police who raped her. The, the victim then tells the district attorney's office and confirms what she told the police. They get the DNA test and, 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 and evidence, forensic evidence, linking him to the offense. She goes to court for pretrial hearings, and now the case is set for trial, and if she doesn't testify, this offender goes free. Do you let a rapist go? And something like this. Well, I mean, again, so, the concern. I I understand where you're coming from. Uh, I I can't. I've never been in this situation, but I have to say, putting somebody in jail, you know, to make them testify. I mean, isn't there some other way they can do it besides sending them? Well, to they can't. The DA doesn't do that on his own. He has to apply to a judge, set forth the facts, and the judge has to authorize the arrest. Okay. So the DA can't do this unilaterally. A judge has to review all of the facts, and the judge is the one that actually signs the material witness warrant authorizing the arrest, not the district attorney. When somebody is arrested and something like that, what happens to them? Well, they're held in pretrial custody unless the judge decides to release them until they testify, and then they're released. Okay. So they don't go to OPP and eat cold grits and things like that. All right. Let's... Well, I mean, they're going to be held in custody somewhere, you yeah. know, and, and, and maybe if the judge says, listen, if you promise to come back, uh, maybe I'll put an electronic monitor on you and, and we'll get you back in here. But ultimately, the judge makes the decision, uh, not the D.A., whether someone's going to be incarcerated or not on a material witness. Well, then why did, he, when, why did uh, Leon got all the bad press? Why we, because, oh, because, you know. <laughs> 
because nobody really drilled down. It was they were blaming him for it. But you know, no one wanted to hear. You know, he was painted as the you know the evil, lock him up and throw away the the key DA in this thing. And and people really just bought the propaganda and misinformation that was being disseminated. Well, that's why I always call you because then I know because I'm I'm not I'm 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 not. I am not immune to propaganda. I try not to be. You know, I try. I try to be immune to it. But you know, everybody falls for something, and especially if you don't have the time to read in depth. And that's why we got people like you. Let's jump into well, since we got about three minutes left. Let's talk about judges. You and I spoke a long time. One of the very first conversations we ever had was about merit judges, and uh, I'm with yep. you on that. I don't think judges should be elected. Um, why don't you explain what merit judges is briefly? And then we'll spend our last couple of minutes talking about the pros and cons. Okay, what you're talking about is merit selection. And a number of states, rather than elect judges, appoint judges. So the way that it works in most instances is that there is, under state law, a mechanism where uh, vacant judgeships can be, uh, they have a, a committee that kind of filters eligible uh, attorneys that would be interested, and they go out and recruit them to put their name in the hat to be considered for a judgeship. And they do that in other states, and those names are vetted and reviewed, and then they make a recommendation in many instances to the governor, and the governor selects from a list or a slate of nominees by the committee and the governor appoints them and they're appointed for a term of four to six years and at the end of that term they are eligible for a retention election where the public gets to vote thumbs up or thumbs down on retaining those judges if they elect not to retain them then the uh, then the uh, committee goes back to work and identifies some more people and you know that's the way that it works so you take the politics you take the money out of it it's not a panacea you can still end up with a corrupt judge but you also these other states that have moved towards merit selection none of them have gone back to the old elective process what is and uh, I, I think that would be something that would benefit louisiana to have a merit selection where we no longer have to make our judges resort to raising money and seeking uh, campaign contributions to, uh, to to fund their campaigns. And most of the campaign contributions come from attorneys who appear in front of these judges. What is the rate of reversal on these judges? I mean, I'm, I'm, oh. I'm sure you don't have the exact figures anywhere in front of you, but I mean, what are the what are the uh, what are the uh, appeal reversals here compared to some of those other states? Is it roughly the same? I really. Don't know. I haven't seen any studies on that, but you know, you know, I think that maybe the best uh, sales mechanism for that or endorsement is the fact that every state that's moved to merit selection, none of them have gone back to the old elective process. Well, I guess that says so, a good thing, but it also could mean like you know, well, now we got to start all over again doing that. So I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's 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 mm-hmm. like they're tiring the public out, but the public that's the public's problem. The public needs to get out and vote. Bottom line, well, get your ass out well, there and vote. But 
but most people really never really see their judges. So, you know, the incumbent judges that win an election are often in that position for life because mm-hmm. very rarely, if ever, is an incumbent judge uh, challenge much less defeated in an election. That it happens occasionally. But most judges that are elected to a judgeship remain in that position for as long as they, they seek to, 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 to run again until they're ready to retire or they seek higher or elective office. Or they're forced to retire, yeah. like for uh, Morello. Right. You know, right. And he pushed, he, he I, okay, I, rem- I remember that whole argument and it was just like, you know what, dude, you've been there a long time. I'd be out fishing myself, but that's me, I'm lazy. Right. Raphael going at you. I appreciate it. How can people find out more about the Metropolitan Crime Commission and where they can report the possibility of crime happening to them or around them? Well, if you want to learn a little bit more, we have a website. It's uh, metrocrime.org, and they can see you know, some of the research that we do. They can see some of the uh, media reports that we're involved in and see some of the accomplishments that we've uh, we've done over the years and if you want to call and and talk to somebody and and report ethical administrative or criminal wrongdoing give us a call at 524-3148 that's 504-524-3148 and you're like crime stoppers you're not going to reveal anybody's name or anything like that although you're not going to give nobody money no we've been doing it since before crime stoppers was ever dreamed of and we've never revealed anybody's identity and we never will so uh, we wouldn't be around this long if, if people couldn't trust us. There you go. Rafi, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you got a lot of stuff on your plate, man. Thanks a bunch. Any Anytime. Always good talking to you. Spud. All right. Thank Thanks you. a bunch. All right, okay. wrap it up. Spudcast okay. right after this. It's summertime, summertime, summer, summer, summertime, and that means hurricanes and heat. So how are you going to handle it this year? How about with a brand new whole house generator and an upgraded AC system from Serentine Refrigeration? My power went out during Hurricane Zeta for 10 whole seconds. Then my Serentine service generator kicked in. We were even able to run extension cords to the neighbor. And Serentine will keep your AC running smooth and cool even in the dead of August. Call Serentine today, 504-833-8831. 833-8831, tell them Spud sent you. Are you ready to launch? The American Space Alliance wants to accelerate and support space exploration for the benefit of all Americans, and not just for national pride. You know how many products are created by and for NASA that we use every day? Scratch-resistant lenses, dust busters, LASIK eye surgery, solar cells, firefighting equipment, LEDs, insulin pumps, the list just keeps on growing, and it needs to keep on growing, because the next generation of space exploration has arrived, and the American Space Alliance and NASA want you to be involved. You can follow ASA on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Go to exploreasa.org to find out more. Okay, so Raphael going at you, uh, Metropolitan Crime Commission. You really should go there, uh, metrocrime.org, find out more about it if you have any inkling that there is. And it doesn't, you don't need to be working for the government. What kind of blue-collar crime is going on in corporate world? They will uh, they'll investigate, and if it's worth it, they're going to send it to their proper people. Anyway, thanks for joining me here on the Spudcast Podcast. You can hear me on Red Circle and Spotify and Google Podcasts and Amazon Music and Public Radio and Stitcher, and I'm on, on, oh, I'm on Twitter. At Spud Got That and my Facebook page is Spud's Friends and Fans, John McConnell and the Big TZ. There you go. Tomorrow, uh, make sure you tune in. You can catch us on uh, Red Circle. It's uh, Tell Me What You Really Think with Mike Bradner. In the meantime, uh, see you guys next week. Y'all watch out for the crazies, but I'm a gone pecan.